If you've been with us, I don't know, over the last several weeks, ever since we rolled into summer here, I don't know if you've noticed this, but we have had some amazing times in church together. And to experience that, guess what? You got to be here. You ever heard anybody tell a joke? They're like, oh, I guess you had to be there. Well, I guess you got to be here, you know? And uh, if you come across somebody that's not in church and they're not plugged into a family, you tell them, man, you got to be there. You got to find your God family. You got to find your church family because there are things he will say to you in here on a Sunday morning, whether you're here to hear them or not. Oh, can I try saying that again? There are things that the Lord will say to you. There are answers to questions that you've had maybe for years. And he will answer those questions in here on a Sunday morning, whether you're here to hear it or not. And that's happening all the time. That God has assigned people to be in a place and be a part of a family. And they come, they come every so often, they lay out for a little bit and they wonder Why isn't God answering this question? Why isn't God making provision for this? Doesn't God know I need this? He's like, yeah, I know you need it. Actually, I answered it three weeks ago. But you got to be in the place that he's called you to be in. And every one of you bring a supply into this place. You bring a supply of faith. You bring a supply of love. And it's not just for you. It's for the person sitting next to you. You don't always know what they're facing and what they're going through, but just getting around you, just getting around somebody with a spirit of faith does something on the inside of them, causes them to come up, causes them to change their expectation. You bring that supply. Amen. And the Lord's doing things for us in here. And I just want to give him thanks for these last several weeks in church. I mean, baptism Sunday. I got to tell you, that was probably my favorite Sunday that we've had since this church began. I loved it. And thank God for it. I believe he began something good last week and he's going to finish it. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Second Corinthians chapter five, your Bible, your Bible ought to just fall open to that scripture by now. We've been looking at it together. I think this is part 10 of this series. I want to look at it again. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse beginning 17, and we'll read through verse 21. Familiar scriptures to you. The Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What happened to the old things? Passed away. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. That's just a fancy way of saying not holding your sin against you. He's not holding it against you. Somebody say, thank God he's not holding it against me. You know, you want to be that kind of person too. The kind of person that doesn't hold things against somebody. You know, there are people still mad and bitter today over things that happened decades ago. They're holding on to it tight, refusing to let go. But you got to be thankful that God doesn't do that with you. I'm so grateful he hasn't done that with me. He's not holding my sin against me. He's not holding your sin against you. How many think we ought to be a lot more like him And when it comes to things that people have said and and, and done us wrong with, we let it go. We let it go. He's given us this ministry of reconciliation. He was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He's saying, I'm begging you, be reconciled to God. I'm begging you, get right with God. That's what it means to be reconciled with God. It means to get right with him. It means to have a right relationship with him. How do we do that? Verse 21 answers it. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Say this next part out loud with me. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is the answer to the question, what's right with you? 
When, in a world when it seems like all anybody knows is what's wrong, what's wrong with them, what's wrong with their spouse, what's wrong with their family, what's wrong with their boss, what's wrong with their country, and people tend to magnify over and over and over what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, they can't simply answer the question, what is right with you? And the reason you've got to be able to answer that question is what's right with you can fix what's wrong with you. You don't fix what's wrong by magnifying what's wrong. You fix what's wrong by magnifying what's right. And what's right with you is that you have been made the righteousness. Did you hear that word in there? The righteousness of God in Christ. The New Living Translation says it like this. God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's what righteousness means, made right with God. The Amplified Classic Bible says, For our sake he made Christ to be sin who knew no sin, so that in and through him we might become the righteousness of God, which means what we ought to be, approved, acceptable, and in right relationship with him by his goodness. Making the declaration that you are the righteousness of God in Christ is one of, if not the, most bold declarations of faith that any, any believer can make. I, I think it requires more faith to say that than it does to say I'm healed when you feel sick, than it does to say I'm blessed when you look poor. Those things require faith, but I think the, the greatest requirement of faith comes when you look at yourself and you see yourself after the flesh. You see all the outside. You see the sin. You see the mistake. You see the shortcoming. You see the failure. You see where you've missed it. You see where you come short. But you don't identify with what you see after the flesh. You identify with the reborn again nature on the inside of you. You identify with who you are in Christ. And still, in spite of everything you see, you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Baby, that takes some faith. Because you see something that is completely contrary to what you're saying by faith. It requires a bold declaration of faith to say out loud, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am right with him. And we've taken weeks to really uncover and discover what comes as the result of getting, gaining that revelation. I think there is nothing more exciting. There is nothing more exhilarating. There is nothing more thrilling in the life of a believer than when they find out who they are in Christ, what they have in Christ, what belongs to them because they are in Christ. Man, that is so thrilling to find out who you are in him. Glory to God. It should just thrill your soul to find out that you're right with God and everything that belongs to you because you're right in him. And we've talked about the big thing that comes as a result of finding out what righteousness is and, and what it means to be right with God, the big thing that changes is identity. Identity. When you no longer identify as an old sinner, you identify as somebody saved by grace. Well, there's been an identity change. And you would probably agree with me, we are living in the middle of the greatest identity crisis this world has ever seen. People don't know who they are. They don't know what they are. They're trying this and trying that and claiming this identity and the other, and I identify as this, well, I identify as that. It's an identity crisis. And in a world when people are asking, what do you identify as? The believers ought to be able to be the loudest, the boldest, and the first to stand up and say, well, I identify as the righteousness of God in Christ. I identify with him. I was buried with him. Well, back up. I was crucified with him. I was buried with him. I was raised again with him. And now I'm seated together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's identity. 
And, and the identity change that takes place, if you actually believe this stuff, will be so thrilling to you. It'll be so, become so exciting to you. And the first thing that will rise up in you that may have been missing for your entire life before that is some boldness. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are what? Bold as a lion. When you really believe you are who the Bible says you are, there's a boldness that rises up. There's a confidence that rises up in you because there's been an identity change. But there's something else I want to touch on today. And it's two th there's two things here that I believe come as the result of knowing who you are in Christ. Number one, like we've discussed, identity. But number two, dependency. Let me explain. As thrilling and exciting as the revelation of righteousness is, there's another side to that coin. Yes, it is the most exciting revelation that anybody can get a hold of. At the same time, it ought to be the most sobering revelation you've ever come in contact with. Just take this confession that we're making. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Well, we've already talked about how that takes faith. That requires boldness. But guess what else it requires? Humility. All because of those last two words, in Christ. Those two words reveal two things that you need to make note of every time you see them, every time you hear them in Scripture. Number one, in Christ means identity. Number two, in Christ means dependency. Dependency. What do I mean by that? Well, every time you see that phrase, in Christ, it's telling you two things. Number one, it's telling you who you are in Him, but it's also telling you who you aren't in you. Are you tracking with me? Yes. Your righteousness and mine are completely, entirely, totally, unequivocally dependent upon Jesus. You are not righteous in yourself, but it's only through him. And we don't have the time today or probably in 10 services to go through every scripture in the New Testament that talks about in Christ, by Christ, through him, through whom. All of these phrases that you see over and over and over through the New Testament, each one of them reveals two things. Number one, your new identity in him, but also your total dependency on him. So say that loud. Identity. Dependency. Every time you see in Christ, I want you to think those two things. What are they? Identity and you see in Christ and you think that's my identity in him. Woohoo! Praise God. That makes me want to dance. That makes me want to shout. It ought to also make you go, whoa, because it also reveals your total dependency on him. Are you with me so far? Thank you, Lord. Jesus said this, and you don't have to turn there. We'll put it on the screen. John 14, verse 6. He said to him, I am a way, a truth, a form of life. No? Bad translation. What did he say? I am, shout it, the way. What else? I am the truth. Well, if he's the truth, then you don't have my truth. I don't get to say, well, this is my truth and that's your truth. No, there is only one truth. And Jesus is the truth, the way, the truth. And what else? The life. Listen, no one, no one comes to the father except by me, he said, except through me. You could say, except in 
me. Well, what does that reveal to you? What's the first thing that reveals to you when Jesus says something and he says it's by me, in me, through me? That ought to reveal to you, first of all, some identity. You now, if you are in him, possess an identity that will get you in through the gates of heaven and give you a place right at the throne. You come before God and the throne of grace in the name of Jesus. That's some identity change right there. And you have been welcomed before the throne. You've been welcomed to lay hold of mercy, to lay hold of grace because the identity has changed. Glory to God. But what else should this statement reveal? to you, not just identity. Come on. Come on. Who was here like 90 seconds ago? Identity and dependency. You are completely, totally dependent on Jesus to have any way to the father outside of him. No way outside of Jesus. No access to the throne of grace. Outside of Jesus, there is no other way. Outside of Jesus, there is no other truth. You are entirely dependent upon him for truth. Outside of Jesus, there is no other life. There is no other source of life. You and I are completely and totally dependent on him for our life. Do you see what's happening here? He's given you an identity change But on the other side of that coin, you have got to remember, I'm completely dependent, entirely dependent on him. Go with me to the book of James chapter four. Some of this stuff seems so obvious, doesn't it? For me to say we are dependent on Jesus for for life. You're going, yeah, I knew that. Could have stayed home today. Well, why would we be going over things that are such basic truths? Because acknowledging and declaring your dependency upon him is how you get the help that you need. Let me say it again. Acknowledging and declaring. I told you today was a day of declaration. In light of what we're honoring and celebrating today, July 4th, July 4th weekend, honoring that declaration of independence that the fathers of our nation penned and signed, celebrating that and thank God for it. Today, you and I are declaring some things, but we are declaring not our independence, our dependence. Today is a day where we declare our dependence. James chapter four, beginning in verse six. We'll have this on the screen for you as well. Why are we declaring our dependence? Because this is how we get the help we need. The Bible says in James chapter four, verse six, but he, God, gives more grace. That is the best news you've heard all day. There's more grace? Yeah, there's more. And you thought that maybe that first taste of grace you received when you were born again and you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you thought, well, maybe that's all, all the grace that there is. No, there's more grace. There's more grace. There's grace to be born again. There's grace to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's grace to be filled with joy. There's grace to be filled with wisdom. There's grace. There's grace. There's grace to be healed. There's grace to be prospered. There's grace to be delivered out of anything and everything that you're in, that you need out of. Somebody say, there's a grace for that. There is a grace for that. And the good news is he's given more of it. He gives more grace. He's just giving it away. God gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to who? The humble. He resists the proud, but he gives grace. Another word for grace is simply help. Like we've already said. What do you find at the throne of grace? You find mercy and grace to help. God's grace, among other things, is his help. Anybody want some of that help? I need that help. I want that help. But there's a select group of people that are getting that help. And it's not the proud. It's the humble. He said, 
that he resists the proud. I know several years ago, when I first, I, I got a hold of some teaching, Brother Andrew Womack's teaching, uh, and, and several others of, about the grace of God. I, I grew up in a house and around a ministry that, that, that did focus on it, had an emphasis on it. But I don't know, some of these other ministers the Lord was using to shine a big light on the grace of God, it helped me. Anybody been helped by that message? Hallelujah, it, it helped me. But as I was really diving into it and studying the grace of God, I came across this and found out God resists the proud. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't like that thought. It, it, sounded, it didn't sound gracie enough to me <laughs> to think of God resisting somebody. And I found out, well, this is a quote from the Old Testament, so maybe there's a, maybe there's a better understanding of it in the New Testament. Maybe there's a, a more applicable way to apply the grace of God here. So I started doing some digging. And let me tell you, I don't recommend it. It got worse. <laughs> I found a verse that translated that, God arrays himself in battle against the proud. I thought, I'll go with resist. <laughs> I don't like the thought of God arrayed in battle against the proud. Are we reading scriptures? We are. Who gets the grace? There's only one group of people that get the grace, that get the help. It's the humble. It's the humble. And who are the humble but the ones that just simply acknowledge and will declare their dependency on him? That's humility. I said, that's humility. To acknowledge, I need help. To ask for help is humility. To accept help is humility. Did you catch that? Acknowledge? Ask and accept. That's triple A right there. When you need help, call triple A. And what are the three A's? Acknowledge the need for help. And after you acknowledge it, ask for it. And after you ask for it, accept it. Pride won't do any of those. Pride will not acknowledge the need for help. Pride will not ask for anybody to help them. Pride will refuse help when it's offered. Humility asks for help. Pride pretends it doesn't need any. Humility will ask for help, but pride pretends it doesn't need any. Think about it like this. Let's imagine for a moment that you, imagine you are a professional builder. You've been in construction for decades now. You've built anything and everything imaginable. You've been in, you've been in commercial uh, construction. You've been in residential construction. You've restored. You've remodeled. You've repaired. You've built from scratch. You've got a great education on this. You've got a ton of experience in it. You know your business when it comes to building something, okay? But let's say you've got a brother-in-law and he gets this wild idea that he wants to build a shed in the backyard. Now, this guy has never built a thing in his life, okay? He doesn't know a thing in the world about building. He watched an eight-minute YouTube video on how you, too, can build a storage shed in your backyard. He liked the idea of it, so he got in the truck, drove down to Home Depot, and picked some wood, a bucket of nails, a hammer, glue. I'll probably need some glue, right? Grabbed a bucket of glue, and he heads back to the house and dumps all this stuff in the yard, and he just starts hammering away, sawing away. No plans, no outline, nothing. He's just going for it. And you come over to the house and you stand at the back window looking into the yard there where he is tired and bleeding <laughs> and has made no progress and you've got random scraps of wood scattered all over the backyard and you think to yourself, what are you doing? Your heart just hurts for him, right? Why? Because you know how to do this. 
This is easy for you. Are you kidding me? A shed? We could have this thing done by tonight. But he's out there slaving away with no idea what to do, how to do it. And he's hurting himself. And finally you go out and you say, bro, bro, stop. I'm begging you, stop. You know I know how to do this, right? I mean, we've been related a long time. You know this is my business. I, I, I know I, I can have this thing done for you. I'm just begging you, stop. Let me help you. I, I can do this for you. You don't even have to pay me. You stopping is payment enough. Just <laughs> stop. Now, what would humility say? Humility would acknowledge. Humility would say, you know what? I need some help. Humility would say, will you help me? And humility would accept the help by doing what? Stepping aside and letting this professional take over. What would pride say? I nah, I got this. When everybody can clearly see, you don't got this. He does not got this. He's making a mess of this. Humility will acknowledge, ask, and accept the help. Pride pretends it doesn't need it. Pride pretends that it is not dependent on anyone or anything else. Humility will declare its dependence. And that's how you get the help. Paul said it like this. He said, I will not frustrate the grace of God. Listen to that. I will not frustrate the grace of God. Do you know how frustrating it is to watch somebody try to do what you're good at? That's frustrating, isn't it? When you know how to do it, when you are good at it and can have it done, and you're having to watch them fumble around with it and make a mess of it, that's frustrating. And the grace of God has appeared to all men and said, can I help can I help you with that? Let me do that for you. Because grace is a professional. Grace is a professional at whatever it is you need help with. Grace is a professional at it. Grace is a professional at parenting. Grace is a professional at marriage. Grace is a professional when it comes to your finances. Grace is good at it. And he has appeared to all men to say, let me help you with that. And, and humility will say, I declare this day my dependence upon you. <laughs> I acknowledge the need of help. I'm asking you to help. I will accept your help. Grace, go to work. Pride will say, I got this. I got this. And that's how you get resisted. I don't want to be resisted. I need help. Amen. So every time we look in scripture and we see this phrase in Christ, through Christ, by him, through him, we need to realize two things. What are they? Number one, that is our identity in him, but it also reveals our dependency on him. Let me give you an example, several examples. The Bible says, like we've already read so many times, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Well, that reveals identity. That reveals who you are. But it also reveals who you aren't in you. Galatians chapter 6 verse 3 says, For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing... He deceives himself. If anyone thinks himself to be something when actually he's nothing, he's deceiving himself. The Bible says that the pride of your heart deceives you. What, what 2 Corinthians 5.21 reveals to us that in Christ, we are the righteousness of God. Outside of Christ and in ourselves, guess how much you are. You are, according to this verse... Yeah, I can tell you don't even want to say it. The answer is nothing. 
nothing. Every time you see the words in Christ, it's revealing a in him reality, but it's also revealing an in you reality. In Christ, you are something. In Christ, you are someone. In you, guess what you are? Let me just read the verse again in case you think I'm making it up and just being mean to you. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he is, when he is, he is what? Nothing. He's deceiving himself. People are looking to anything and everything to draw their identity from, to make them something. But the only thing that makes you anything is your identity in Christ. And you are totally dependent upon him for your righteousness. This gets worse. Let's keep going. In him, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, but of him you are in Christ Jesus. All right, what's that reveal? Number one. Number two. Y'all talk back to me today. Come on. Come on. Number one, it reveals your what? Identity in him, but it also reveals your dependency on him. You're in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Jesus became for you wisdom. He became for you righteousness sanctification, that means set apart, and redemption, that means you've been purchased with the blood of Jesus, that means a value has been placed on you, that means your value has been elevated, and now you're worth more than anything ever in the history of this world, because the highest price was paid for you, that's what redemption means, that's what redemption means, he's been made unto you wisdom, Paul prayed it like this, I pray that you'd be filled with the wisdom of God in all spiritual wisdom and understand, or spiritual understanding and revelation. Be filled with the wisdom of God. That's what you know in Christ. You are filled with the wisdom of God if you're in Christ. The Bible says you've been given the mind of Christ because he was made unto you, made for you wisdom. So in that your identity changes. This is great news for somebody right here. You ready? You're not an idiot. You're not an idiot. I think somebody needs to say it. I'm not an idiot. Man, I can see light bulbs just dawning all over the congregation. I'm not an idiot. I'm, I'm not an idiot. That's a great confession. I'm not an idiot. You ought to look in that mirror. Because you've been calling that guy, you've been calling that girl an idiot for years now, and that needs to stop. That's not your identity. I never know the answer. I never have the, have the answer. I never know what to do. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I never know. I'll never know. No, come on. That's not your identity. You don't identify as an idiot. You identify as one who's in Jesus, therefore filled with the wisdom of God. And even when you don't know what to do, you know what you can say? I'll know what to do. Oh, we'll have the answer for that. We will know exactly what to do. Well, what do we do? I'm not sure right now, but we will know. Because Jesus has been made unto you wisdom. Because you have the mind of Christ. Amen. That's what you know because you're in him. That's your identity. But don't forget, it also reveals your what? Dependency. You are completely dependent on him for wisdom. You are completely dependent on him for righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Apart from him, outside of him, you are void of wisdom. You are not righteous. You are not redeemed or sanctified. You are dependent upon him for it. That's why the, the flip side of this truth You've got the in him truth. We'll listen to the in you truth. 1 Corinthians 8, 2. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing. Yet as he ought to know. How many people are looking 
everywhere but Jesus for wisdom, for direction, to know what to do and where to go. People are trusting Google more than they trust God. Where do you want to eat tonight? I don't know, Google. Google will tell us. Look at this place. It's got a lot of good reviews. What's that? Trusting somebody else's experience there. People are looking for everything from where to eat tonight to where to move their families and asking anything and everything and anyone and everyone but the wisdom of God. I know what I'll do. I'll Google safest place to live and let Google tell me where my family will be safe. The safest place for you is in the middle of the will of God. The safest place for you will come as the result of being filled with the wisdom of God. Even when it makes no sense naturally, he said you'd be filled with the wisdom and all spiritual understanding if you identify in him and acknowledge your dependency on him. Anybody who thinks he knows something, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. We know this. Here's an in Jesus truth. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Listen to these two words. In Christ. So what does that reveal to you? Well, if your identity's in him, then you can identify as somebody who has been, has been, past tense, already done, has been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That's who and what I identify it as. How about you? Somebody blessed. Somebody say, I'm blessed. blessed. All right, so we're just adding to our confession today. Number one, I'm not an idiot. idiot. Number two, I'm blessed. I'm blessed because I'm in Jesus. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I like to think of it like this. Just before the the father sent Jesus to the earth, he packed him full of every blessing that heaven had to offer. And Jesus is, is hanging over the edge of heaven saying, can I go yet? And he said, not yet. And he's packing him full of every blessing that there is. The blessing of salvation, the blessing of redemption, the blessing of deliverance, the blessing of joy and peace and healing and prosperity and abundance and every blessing that heaven has to offer. He jammed Jesus full of it and said, now go and give it to him. And everybody in him now is a partaker of every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. Shout it out. It's mine. It's mine. It's yours. It belongs to us if your identity is in him. But guess what? You are completely dependent on him for it. You you cannot be dependent on you and your behavior and all your right deeds To go before God and say, look at everything I've done right. Now give me some blessings. That's coming to the throne of grace in your name. And that your name's never gotten you in anywhere, much less the throne of grace. You got to come with a different identity and a total dependency on him. We're dependent on him. In him, you have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. In you, guess how much you have? There you go. Somebody was paying attention. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. For who makes you to differ from another? What do you have that you did not receive? If you didn't receive it, why do you boast as though you didn't receive it? What's he saying? What do you have that isn't a gift? What do you have that didn't come to you as a gift? And if it came to you as a gift, he said, why do you boast? Why do you brag as though you didn't receive it, as though it wasn't a gift, as though it was because of you, by you, in you, through you, that you now have this gift. In him, you've been blessed. In you, how much do you have? Nothing. We need to be quick to acknowledge that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. And if there's anything good in your life, give him the glory for it. Whatever provision he's made for you, make sure all the glory goes to him. That's why we do this week after week. We tell these glory stories and then we stand up as a family and say, who gets the glory for this? God gets the glory for this. Why do we say that? Because we want it to keep happening. 
You want to shut that off in your life? Take some of the glory. You want to shut off the flow of grace? You want to shut off the flow of blessing and provision to you? You take some of the glory for what you have, and nothing will cut that off like you taking the credit for it. That's why we got to be quick, quick to say, thank you, Jesus. Quick to say, glory to God. Quick to say, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Man, that makes me want to dance to those songs in my childhood. Look what the Lord has. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. It was just in time. Look what the Lord has done. Just by saying that, you're giving him the glory, him the glory. To him be glory in the church. To him be glory. Let no flesh glory in his presence. Let him be glorified. Let him be glorified. What are you doing? You are acknowledging your total dependence. You are declaring, I depend on Jesus for any blessing, for every blessing. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty talented. I did do a pretty good job. Who gets the grace? The humble, the humble. And I'm not talking about this phony, fake church, humble face that so many people have perfected. When somebody says, hey, good job. And they go, oh, <laughs> wasn't me. It's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. I heard a pastor one time say, you know what? In his church, I think somebody had sung a special song or something over the offering, and he said to him later, he's like, that was really good. And she said, oh, it wasn't me. It was, it was all Jesus. And he thought to himself, well, it wasn't that good. <laughs> I mean, really, if it was all Jesus, we, we would have raptured. The roof on this place would have come open. Oh, it's not me. It's all Jesus. I'm not talking about being fake. Humility is reality. It's just to completely acknowledge and declare, I am totally dependent on him. Can you see that? So what are you outside of him? Nothing. What do you know outside of him? What do you have outside of him? In you, you are nothing, you know nothing, you have nothing. Amen. Thanks, Pastor. That's encouraging. <laughs> Got one more for you. Guess what else? Outside of him, guess what you can do? Jesus said in John 15, verse 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Did you hear that? In him. He who abides in me. If your identity is in him, you produce, you bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. The Amplified Classic says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. That's the in you truth. But the in him truth is Philippians 4.13. I can do, come on, help me, all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, people have shortened that. You see this, well, I can do all things. I can do all things. Sometimes you see a t-shirt, I can do all things. Somebody prints it on something, hangs up a picture, I can do all things. And it sounds like a really good confession, but the truth is, it's not the truth. That's a lie. How much can you do apart from him? Nothing. You are totally dependent on him. You are completely dependent on his strength. Without him, you couldn't get up in the morning. Without him, you wouldn't have enough sense to get yourself ready, get yourself out the door. Without him, you would not have breath in your lungs. Without him, you would not have light in your eyes or brightness of mind to do the job that you think you do all on your own. No, 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 sweetheart. That is him in you. That is his grace on you. And you are totally dependent upon that grace. And people who claim there is no God, people who mock and scoff at us have no idea how dependent they are on the grace of God. This entire world depends on him. 
for every breath that we take. This entire world depends on him to sustain this place. It is still being sustained today under that word, light be. We are totally dependent upon him. Yes, I identify with him, but I'm also totally dependent on him. I can do all things. That's not the end of the verse. What is it? Through Christ who strengthens me. Romans 8 verse 37. This is who you are in him. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Don't stop the verse. Don't stop right there. I'm more than a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. No, you're not. You're way less than a conqueror. You are defeated. You are weak and helpless and useless in you. I am more than a conqueror. Say it out loud. Through him who loves me. Through him. What's that reveal? Identity. And you are totally dependent on Jesus for every victory in this life. You are totally dependent on Jesus for your victory over sin, for victory over death, for victory over temptation, for victory over addiction, for victory in every area and arena of your life. You are completely dependent upon Jesus. And to get the help that he so wants you to have, what do you got to do? Call AAA. Acknowledge the need for it. Ask for the help and then accept it in whatever way it comes. And the Lord says, yes, I will help you. And I'm sending this person to, oh, no, not that person, Lord. Uh-uh, I ain't letting them help me. No, 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 no. Pride, guess what you've done? Cut off all the help. Hmm? What if the help came through your spouse? Ooh. What if the help came through a pastor or a minister? Huh? What if the help came that way? Are you humble enough to receive and accept the help? Acknowledge the need for it. That's how you get it. Ask for it. We're told from the Bible, you have not because you ask not. Is it really that simple? Yeah, it is. The reason you don't have the help you need is you haven't asked in faith for it. And then accept his help. So here's what I want us to do as we wrap this up. Go and stand up with me. Musicians, you guys come. Faith and humility are inseparable. Faith is trust, but it is not trust in yourself. Faith is confidence, but it is not confidence in your own ability. Faith is dependence, but it is not self-dependent. It is not self-reliance. Faith and humility go hand in hand. Faith is trust and the acknowledging that I am nothing, I know nothing, I have nothing, and I can do nothing apart from Him. So what we're going to do today is we are going to make a declaration of dependence. I wrote this as my declaration of dependence. I want to lead you in it. You guys go ahead. And I want you just to, if you will, just bow your heads, close your eyes, lift your hands before the Father. And we're going to make this declaration of dependence today. Say this bold. Say it confident. Say it loud after me. Heavenly Father, today I declare my complete dependence upon you. I acknowledge that without you, I am nothing. My righteousness, apart from your righteousness, is as filthy rags. Without your wisdom, I know nothing. Apart from your blessing, I have nothing. Without you, I can do nothing. Without your strength, I am weak. Without your grace, I am helpless, but today I humbly and gratefully acknowledge I am not without you. 
I am in Jesus. Jesus is in me. And my life is hidden with Christ in God. Only by your grace, I am what I am. You have made me to be the righteousness of God in Christ. I depend on your wisdom. You have given me the mind of Christ. Every good and perfect gift is from you. And all that I have is a gift of your grace. You have blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Only by your strength am I made strong. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I acknowledge my need for your help. I will ask for and I will accept the help of your Holy Spirit. I declare my dependence upon Jesus. I declare my dependence upon your Holy Spirit. I declare my dependence upon your word. I declare my dependence upon your grace, your favor, and your faithfulness. In you, I live, I move, and I have my being. Now lift your hands and worship him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we declare today who we are in Christ Jesus. And yes, that we are completely dependent upon Him, dependent upon His life in us, dependent upon the grace and the help of the Holy Spirit. We declare our dependence on You. Thank You, Lord. Now get ready, church, because help is on the way. I said help is on the way. Don't frustrate the grace of God when it shows up and says, hey, can I help you with that? You say, yes, yes, and yes, please. I need the help. I'm asking for the help. I accept the help. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, in light of what we're celebrating and honoring today and the birth of this great nation, we thank you that you saw fit to put us here at this place, in this place at this time. And Lord, we are thankful for the United States of America. We are grateful for the work that you've begun in this nation. And we call you faithful to finish it. Yeah, Lord, we know not everything is right. We know, we know that not everything looks good, but she's 250 years old. <laughs> we understand you get some wrinkles with some age. So instead of speaking negatively about this nation, instead of complaining about leadership and, and politicians in high places, we bless today. And we hold our president before you. Lord, we ask you to quicken him, to walk through any open door that he or anyone around him may have opened to you. We pray for our leaders today, our president, vice president. We pray for our senators, our congressmen and women, all the way down to our state levels and our local levels. Anybody that holds any leadership position, Lord, we, we pray over them today. And we ask you, Father, to help them. We acknowledge your need, our, our need for your help. And we're asking for it. Now, Lord, whatever ways you see fit to help this nation, we will accept that help. And we come before you as your church. And we take our place in this nation to stand for what is right and righteous and to pray and to pray, to pray. Oh, we thank you, Lord, today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lord, we bless these United States of America. This is your place. And people who claim that you don't exist and don't know you, 
They don't even know what they're saying, Lord. They don't even realize how dependent they are on you for their next breath. But we know. We know. And we acknowledge and declare today we are totally dependent on you. Oh, thank you for the help. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you. The glory days of this nation are not behind her. Your most, glor most glorious days are the days you're in and the days before you. Did I not say in my word that I would fill the earth with my glory? That includes this nation. And where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Help much more abounds. Strength much more abounds. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we love this nation. We're thankful for it. We're grateful for it. We declare healing over it today in Jesus' name. And we speak by the Spirit to the church throughout this nation. Rise up. Become strong and bold knowing who you are in Jesus and who Jesus is in you. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's lift our hands and thank Him and praise Him today. Praise you, Lord. We honor you. We thank you. Glory to God. Altar ministers, would you come to the front, please? With your heads bowed, your eyes closed right now, if there's anybody in here that's never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never identified with Him, in Him, like we're talking about today, don't leave this place without receiving that gift of salvation. It's the greatest, most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Your eternal security has to do with that decision. Jesus asked this question, who do you say that I am? And the answer to the question is, He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you'll acknowledge that today, He'll move into your heart and become the Lord and the Savior of your life, and you will never be the same. If you want to pray that prayer, there are altar ministers at this altar who are ready, willing to pray that prayer with you. If you want to be filled with the Spirit today, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, maybe that's something you've heard about, you've wondered about. Well, let me tell you, it's a gift to you from Jesus. Don't leave without that gift today. It's power when you need power. It's help when you need help. It's wisdom when you don't have it. Don't leave today without that infilling of the Holy Spirit. If you need prayer for anything else, something going on in your life, your family, your finances, whatever it is, we've got people here who will pray the prayer of faith with you. And there will be an open door for God to go to work in your life and your family. And I declare it in Jesus' name. You'll start seeing change right away. Right away. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Father, we love you today. We worship you. We honor you. We thank you once again for the good work you've begun in this church. We call you faithful to finish it. I bless this congregation, those in the room, those watching online. I speak strength to you today. I speak increase over you today. Be blessed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. May you be blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, strong in your spirit, strong in your soul, strong in your body, increasing more and more, you and your children in everywhere you go protected kept safe angels go before you and make a way for you they stand guard round about you and the favor of the Lord surrounds you like a shield and all this week by the grace of God by the help of his spirit you will be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing with the right people you believe it church come on you believe it church glory to God Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. 
Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.